Hey, I'm Steve Gabriel, and I'm thrilled that we have this time together. I pray that God would help you to understand how great He is and how great His plan is for your life. Come on, let's enjoy God together. We're going to read a verse in Psalm 106, verse 1. As we continue this fantastic series that Pastor Steve and Charlotte have brought us into over this month of November, this series called We Say Thank You. And I want to take you to the book of Psalms today and just look at how the psalmists approach this understanding of what it is to be thankful to God. And so look what it says in Psalm 106, just one verse. It says, praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Everybody say good. Good. His love, it endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I love the Psalms. Psalms is probably one of my favorite books in the entire Bible because it is 150 songs, poems, journals that have been written out of brutal honesty. There is nothing in the Psalms which is kind of like fake or manufactured. It is from the depths of the souls of human beings who have had incredible highs and some incredible lows. And so we can relate to the psalmist in so many ways. Yet throughout the Psalms, what you find is that there is always this incredible reminder in the Psalms of who God is. And uh, it is the reality of the situation, which the psalmists always talk about, versus the reality of God. And what I love about the Psalms is that they talk and they don't fudge and they don't ignore the reality of the situation. That life is hard, that life can be difficult, that life can be challenging, that they go through incredible trials, but they don't ignore the reality of God. And I encourage you today, church, like the psalmists, don't get lost in your enemies. The psalmist encourages to don't get lost in your disappointments. Don't get lost in your fears. But the psalmists say, look to God. Why? Because that is where our help comes from. And why is that? Because the psalmist says here, for he is good. At the core of who God is, is the goodness of God. It is the character, the attribute, the nature of God is his goodness. And that is enough for us today, that God is good. But it doesn't stop there. It says not only is he good, but his love or his mercy endures. It keeps going. It doesn't stop. And it goes on forever and ever. Thankfulness flows throughout the Psalms. It's like a stream that just flows through almost like through every single psalm, this sincere, authentic gratitude of incredible thanks. Now, gratitude can be expressed in different levels. All of us show different levels of intensity of gratitude like every single day. Um, we obviously here live in Yorkshire. Yorkshire, Yorkshire. And... Uh, in Yorkshire, when people say thank you, um, maybe you're buying a sausage roll from Greg's and as you are served it, you might turn to the shop assistant and say, ta, okay? And some of you are like, what did he just say? I said, ta, T-A, ta. Now, ta is a way, a Yorkshire way of saying thank you. 
Um, then you have the next level of kind of, of thankfulness, which is what I'd call cheers. Cheers. Cheers, my dears. That is another way of saying thank you. You then have the next one, which is thanks. Thanks, mate. Thanks. You then have thank you. It's becoming a little bit more heartfelt, becoming a little bit more genuine now. You then have, oh, thank you so much. And whenever you get a thank you so much, how many of you know that's like high level in the league of thanks, way higher than tar. But there is this expression in different levels. But what I love about the psalmists, the psalmists don't stop at tar. The psalmists don't stop at cheers. They don't stop at thank you. They don't stop at thank you very much. But they have this Hebrew word that we find 26 times, in fact, 24 times in the book of Psalms. And in Psalm 106, it starts with this word, which in the Hebrew has now been translated into the English, but it is the next level of gratitude and thankfulness. It is a word that is used throughout the Bible to express another level of thanks and gratitude to God. And you'll find this translation in the Amplified or the Message Version. But the word is hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah goes to the next level of thankfulness and gratitude to God. Hallelujah, the Hebrew meaning of that literally means to give joyous praise in song, to boast in thanks and gratitude to God. Okay, to give joyous praise, to boast about who God is. And that is how you say hallelujah. Let us praise is the English translation of that. Let us praise. And then Yah is the shortened form of Yahweh, the creator God. And so hallelujah is simply saying we are boasting in how good our God is. And for what he has done, we are saying thank you. Now, I know many of you will be aware of the song, Hallelujah, 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 Praise ye the Lord, Praise ye the Lord, Hallelujah. You know that. That is the Hebrew and the English coming together to say, God, we praise you because you are far and above and beyond anything that we have language to express how good you are. This isn't tar, God. This is above and beyond gratitude that becomes boasting in God for he is good and his love endures forever. Hallelujah is a great word and maybe we don't just use it in our context of faith but maybe you use it when you find your keys. Hallelujah. Maybe you find it when you get a good deal on the internet. Hallelujah. Um, we can often misuse the word hallelujah because really it is reserved for God himself because nothing else compares to God. A little funny story though, I was on a plane a few years ago and I was coming back from somewhere and it was quite a long flight. And at the beginning of the flight, I was trapped in this seat next to a couple of huge guys. Like these were massive. Now I know I'm big, okay, massive arms, but these guys were even bigger than me. Like these were like pro wrestlers, it felt like I was sitting next to. And as we took off and as the seatbelt button came off, I was like, I need to go and find a different seat because I am trapped here and I'm gonna struggle. And so I said to the guys, excuse me. And so they let me out thinking that I was simply going to the bathroom. Anyway, I found another seat on the plane. Eight hours later, as our plane is about to land and the pilot instructs us to put our seatbelts on, I think I better return to my original seat. So I walked back to my original seat 
And this big guy who I was sat next to originally has been wandering for the previous eight hours where I have been. He knew I was, he thought I was going to the bathroom. I haven't returned for eight hours. Apparently he was walking around the plane looking for me, didn't know where I was, wasn't sure if I'd fallen out, wasn't sure if I'd got lost somewhere. And when he sees me walking down the aisle, he stands to his feet. This is a guy I've never met before and he goes, Hallelujah! You're here! And uh, I came and sat next to him for the remaining five minutes of the flight. But it made me laugh because of the word he used was in sincere gratitude that I was not lost, but I was in fact found. It was his way of saying, praise the Lord. Now, I'm not worthy of hallelujah. That is for God himself. But it is saying, this is more than just I'm thankful. This is another level. And as you go through the Psalms, I ask myself this question. Why are the psalmists so obsessed with this gratitude? Why are they so obsessed with saying thank you at a whole nother level? And I think this is why. Because so long as we are receivers of mercy, we must also be givers of thanks and gratitude. As long as we are receivers of the mercy of God, we must also be equal in our thanks and our hallelujah to God. And so let's break that down in this time that we have together. Firstly, receivers of mercy. The psalmists know what it is to receive the mercy of God. You see, the mercy of God is God acting patient. It is God extending patience to those who ultimately deserve to be punished. Think about that. People who deserve to be punished, who deserve to face the consequences for their actions, and yet God is patient enough and doesn't just stop there, but then extends to them a gift of mercy. It is not something that God owes to us, but it is God extending kindness. It is God extending grace to those who simply do not deserve it. Now, you might be thinking grace and mercy, what's the difference? Well, grace is ultimately getting what we don't deserve. So receiving something that we don't deserve, but mercy is not getting ultimately what we do deserve. Now, let's talk about those people who don't deserve it. Let's talk about those kind of people. People like David, the psalmist, the king, the shepherd, the man after God's own heart. Let's talk about those kind of people, the adulterous king, the one who arranged to kill the husband of the lady who he had an affair with. Let's talk about him because the story of David and throughout the Psalms, many of the stories that we read in the book of Samuel relating to the kingship of David and the life of David and and throughout the Psalms, it makes EastEnders look like Peppa Pig. It is intense. It is serious stuff of affairs, 
of murder, of warfare, of incredible jealousy, of incredible um, levels of intensity of, of judgment and discrimination and fighting and yet David is there a man after God's own heart and we're there going but yeah God he doesn't deserve any of this look at what he has done and I can sit on the sidelines and I can watch it all unfold I can read the Bible and I'm not just the life of David but I can read other people's lives in the Bible or not just in the Bible but in the world today and I can look at them on social media or throughout the world and I can be there shaking my head with my arms crossed, going, they don't deserve anything. What they deserve is consequences. And what they deserve is isolation. And what they deserve is all that comes their way. And yet, while we become judge and while we become jury, what does God do? God just waits there patiently with his arms of mercy. And when they are ready to repent, God is ready to pour out his mercy. You see, as we are quickly there to judge, God just waits because that's what mercy does. Mercy waits and mercy pours out blessing and goodness on those who don't even deserve it. Look what it says in the New Testament in Ephesians 2 verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, doesn't say he's scraping around, you know, in his overdraft of mercy. No, God is rich. He is in abundance. He is overflowing in mercy. Because of that, he also made us alive with Christ. You see, we can read the Bible and the life of David and the others and see people in the world and go, well, that's them. But let's be honest today, it's not just them. It's me. It's you. And we can, we can judge their lives, but yet we are, can be equally as for, at fault. And yet God's mercy is extended to you and to me as much as it is to them. Ephesians 2 puts it like this in the message. It says, we all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us were in the same boat. <laughs> it's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. But instead, God, who is immense, I love that word, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, God embraced us. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And that is what leads the psalmists in the Old Testament to say, hallelujah. Now us in the New Testament, so to speak, now we are there post the life of Jesus. Do we stand there and go tar for that or cheers for that? Or do we have the same response as the psalmist and go, God, we are receivers of your mercy. Then we are going to be great givers of thanks to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to make any of us feel bad today. I'm sure many of us probably feel like bad enough at times, especially at the moment where there's kind of, you know, more restrictions on our lives and it gives more time for us to think about our lives and where we've been good and where we've not been so good. That is not my aim. I'm trying to remind us today that no matter your experience in Christianity, no matter your consistently good deeds, no matter your level of obedience, I need his mercy 
you need his mercy. His mercy is his kindness to you when you have not been kind to him. His kindness to you when you haven't been kind to him. Aren't those people annoying sometimes? <laughs> the people who are continuously kind <laughs> and like you've been unkind and you might have been unmean, you might have been mean to them and yet they respond with kindness. Like they keep responding with kindness. Why? Because they understand mercy. They've had a revelation from God of what it is to receive mercy. And so because they've received the mercy, they become great givers of that mercy. The writer of Lamentations says this, I remember my wandering. All of us love to wander. But because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Ultimately, we are not dead. For the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. For his mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Each day, mercy waits for us. Each day, God prepares a new portion of mercy for David, who received it, but not just for him, but for me and for you. You see, it's not just waiting for your mega sin. It's not just waiting for your like, you know, Champions League kind of level of sin. No, the mercy of God is his goodness. It's his kindness. It's the Father's heart towards you on a daily basis when you've been bad, but also when you've been good. Because what is our goodness compared to his greatness? It is his mercy that waits for us. Therefore, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16, because of the mercy and because of the kindness of God, let us approach God's throne with confidence so that we may receive the mercy. You see, part of the receiving of the mercy of God is, is coming to God and being humble enough and opening up your hands and coming up to him with confidence and saying, God, this is who I am and this is my life and my life is broken in pieces and there are areas of my life far from perfect, but yet God, I come to you now and I receive your mercy. And so we are receivers of mercy but we are also givers of thanks. You see, the psalmists understood what it was to go to the temple and like Hebrews, the, writes, the, the writer of Hebrews puts it, the psalmist knew what it was to go to the temple and approach God's throne. They knew what it was to go into and access and get closer to the presence of God. You see, we now have the church, the building, uh, which is the, I suppose, the New Testament temple of God, but no longer is God limited to a box or a building. God now dwells within us through Jesus Christ. We know that. And if you don't know that at the end of this, I want to give you the opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart to experience that. But in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would go to the temple and they would go to the tabernacle to access the presence of God. And when they would often get there, there'd be a big no entry sign, so to speak, on the door for them because their deeds did not allow them to go any further. Their lives were not pure enough. They hadn't done enough good deeds. And so once a year, 
on the day of atonement, the high priest would be able to enter the Holy of Holies, only the high priest, only him on behalf of the people. And what the high priest would do would sprinkle the blood of animals that had been sacrificed for the atonement of the sins of God's people. And the high priest would enter in and the blood was sprinkled on the lid, on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And the, that lid was called the mercy seat. It was literally called the mercy seat. And the high priest would go in and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. It was a visible symbol of the nature of God from where God would then dispense mercy to mankind. So once a year, the high priest come, comes in, sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat so that the psalmist, so that the people of God can be the receivers of the mercy of God. It's no surprise then that the psalmists throughout the Psalms so many times and we find in Psalm 100, the psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and, and, and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good, Psalm 100 says, and his love, it endures forever. The psalmist realized because of what the high priest has done, because of the mercy that we have received, we need to be givers of thanks. And what you would do, you would literally start displaying thankfulness. You would literally start displaying gratitude as soon as you entered the gates of the city of Jerusalem. You'd start expressing and start saying thanks and you'd use your voice and you'd lift your hands. And I'm sure there'd be a little jig and a little dance to express the gratitude for who God is and for what God has done and for the blood that has been put on the mercy seat. And as you get temp closer to the temple courts, that is where the praise began to kick in. That is where the noise began to get higher. It's like whenever you go to a football match, and as you get walking to the ground, you know, you're getting excited because you're about to see something. But as you get around the stadium and as you're about to go in, the noise begins to erupt in expectation for what you're about to experience. And I love the psalmist paint a picture for us like this, that they enter his gates with thanksgiving and they enter his courts with praise because they know mercy is on the way. They know they are about to, be, about to receive the mercy from God. Fast forward a few thousand years to our lives here right now in 2020. Thank God no longer do we wait once a year for the high priest to sprinkle some blood on the mercy seat because of Jesus, who is the great high priest, who doesn't once a year need to do that on our behalf. He didn't simply offer a sacrifice that was external to himself. But what Jesus did is he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. He he, he, he gave himself up as the sacrifice, as the offering on our behalf. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. It says, but when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and the more perfect tab tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say is not part of this creation. 
He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption, eternal mercy. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. But how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from consciousness from, consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. We get to serve the living God because of the mercy that we have received. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? That as the blood pours, mercy pours. As the blood of Jesus pours, mercy pours. And if we respond with only one emotion, can I encourage us today, church, that that one emotion is one of gratitude. It is an emotion that, like the psalmists keep repeating, says, hallelujah. Not cheers, not thanks, but hallelujah. Thanksgiving in the gates and praise in the courts. Because in Psalm 150, the final psalm of all of the psalms, the final verse of that whole book says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath say, hallelujah, praise God. It is the good news of Jesus that we are receivers of mercy. Therefore, we are givers of thanks. So when I look at my life, I ask myself, what do I have to give in response to that? God, what can I, how can I respond to your mercy? But what I do is I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again, because all I have, God, is my hallelujah to you. Hey, thank you so much for watching. We pray to God that you've been impacted by how great God's word is, by how great God's plan is for your life. But I do want to say, if you need prayer for anything, then drop us a line, drop us an email. We would love to hear from you so that we can pray for you and just continue on this journey of building life together. Have a great week, month, year ahead.